Delco. What is Delco? Urban Dictionary, maybe the best definition of any place in the history of any place. Delco is the nickname for Delaware County, not just a place to live, it's a way of life. Delco isn't something you obtain with a short visit while you're passing through. Never has been, or don't actually live here, you just won't understand. Delco is something you can spot across the bar while out of town. Speaking of bars, there's 42 to 1 ratio when it comes to bars to libraries. And it's cool to be a 26-year-old bar back. You're just waiting for your big break. Delco people love being from Delco. I don't know if there's anything special from Delco, except being a Delco guy, I kind of like it. is up Delaware County and welcome back for episode 23 of Delco Baseball. Now my name is Brendan Ricciardi and the Delco Baseball High School season is officially underway. We are finally starting to get to see guys playing on the field. Uh, it's been a long fall and winter of training to get to this point. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad these guys are finally getting to show all the work that they put in. Uh, we got a great episode for you today. We have an interview with our player of the week, Ryan Getz, a senior outfielder from the Haverford School. That interview will be a little later on in the show. Uh, if you want to skip to that, feel free. I, I promise I won't be offended. Uh, the times for that are in the description below. If you want to get to that, we also got a lot to cover uh, in terms of college baseball, in terms of guys from Delco that are having great years or, you know, even even just great weeks uh, around the country and how their teams have been doing. Uh, I, I did talk a little bit on the last episode about, you know, what happened in high school baseball last year in terms of like who won, you know, who won the Central League, who won the PCL, who won the Interact, like all of the conferences. Uh, but I want to go a little bit deeper on that just to kind of set the scene for the PIAA season. Uh, I did have a little more time this week. Uh, our, our series, I played for the club team at Penn State, our series versus Cornell got canceled, uh, mostly because of the fact that the rain made the field uh, pretty much unplayable. But during uh, during Sunday afternoon, at one point, it was a feels like 14 degrees outside. So I'd be lying if I said a little part of me was not relieved that we were not playing baseball this weekend. Now, that takes a lot for me to not want to play baseball, but 14 degrees is not, I don't think it's any, maybe football weather. I don't think it's any sport weather, but regardless, let's get this week started with the college baseball report. Now, we're going to start off here uh, with a guy who went to Garner Valley. He plays in the Delco League for Springfield. That's Cole Palace. He currently is an infielder for Penn. He went 6-for-11 in a series this weekend. They took down UMass. Now, just to put into perspective how impressive it was that, you know, his performance in terms of what he had done so far this season, not a great start to the year for Cole. He, he was hitting 143. They played some really, really good teams, including a 20-1 and South Carolina team. He was hitting 143 going into the series. He's hitting 320 now, and that just shows how in baseball, you know, your, your stats do – tell the story of how your season's going at the end of the day, but stats can change quickly and six hits in 11 at bats will certainly do that uh, for Cole and Penn, a team that made the Ivy league championship last year. They lost a tough one to Columbia, but this is a team that has 
a very good chance of making it to the NCAA tournament. You know, most likely they're probably going to have to win the Ivy League to do that. But, the, you know, the fact of the matter is they were knocking on the door last year. And that's what these kids at programs like Penn will, you know, will tell themselves. Like, do they think they're going to win the College World Series? Probably not. I mean, I think that they can be, you know, realistic that it's pretty uncommon for the mid-majors to win. Not saying they can't, but, you know, your goal, win the conference, go to the NCAA tournament, and anything can happen. And I hope for him and another Garner Valley alum, uh, Reed Farrell, uh, also plays for Springfield in the Delco League, is a freshman catcher. Everybody knows that it's pretty tough to get time early as a freshman catcher, uh, but, you know, I'm sure he'll be prepared if needed, maybe get some ABs throughout the year to help him develop. Now, they actually have a couple of Delco matchups this week. They are going to take on, it's going to be a Springfield Colonial on Springfield Colonial here. We got uh, Lehigh, Jared Sweeney, talked about him last week. Uh, he is on Lehigh, also Ryan Cochran, Malvern Prep grad. He is on Lehigh as well. He's a freshman. Both of those guys, uh, Sweeney from Havertown and went to Shipley. So it's good to see Delco taking out Delco, not in Delco. That's a, that's a lot of Delco in one sentence. But, I mean, if you didn't want to hear Delco, then you wouldn't be here. So uh, I think that will be all right. Also, the series this weekend, uh, I, I would say it's very likely that they take on Chris Clark, uh, Haverford School alum, and Harvard this weekend. Chris has had a bit of a, a bit of an up-and-down season, but he's had a couple of starts where he's been lights out. And barring injury, I would imagine he will throw against them at some point this weekend. I'm pretty sure... If my memory serves me correctly, I was on Springfield with, with Cole Powell's and we faced Chris Clark with Narberth in the playoffs, and uh, it did not go very well for us. So hopefully uh, hopefully we get some good baseball this week. You can tune in. ESPN Plus, I would imagine, will have these games. If not, you know their, their own websites will be streaming them. All right, let's move on here. We got. Uh, I want to give Tom Kane a shout-out. Tom Kane went to Cardinal O'Hara. He did it the hard way. He went to a JUCO. He went to... Uh, Rowan County, Gloucester, I think. I think that's how it's pronounced. I don't know. I don't know New Jersey. Um, but he he did it the hard way. He went from the JUCO route. He was originally committed to Coastal Carolina. He's now at Maryland. So he's a Power 5 guy now. I believe, off the top of my head, the only Delco player in the Big Ten. Uh, don't, don't quote me on that, but I, I believe so. He has been very, very good lately. Now, Tom is a lefty reliever out of the pen, which uh, I think he throws from, like, a bit of a, a sidearm angle at some points, but there was a clip that actually kind of was going around Twitter where he threw a 94 mile an hour two seamer that went in on a lefty's hands, and that lefty did not look he did not look very comfortable hitting that pitch. And you know, it, it's good to see after he had two not not great starts to the year. I mean, against very good teams, Ole Miss won the national championship last year, and South Florida is very good. But he got touched up a little bit. But since then, he's only let up one run in his last 10 innings of work. Now, keep in mind, as a bullpen pitcher, that's a couple different outings. And it was a solo home run. So the fact of the matter is that he has seemed to kind of you know calm down a little bit. Like, you're making a very, very, very big jump from the Juco at Rowan County to Power 5. I mean, it's just realistic. Uh, they are going to the sunny skies in University of Central Florida this weekend. So... You know, I, I like to watch Maryland games just because I've said since the beginning of the show, if there's, you know, someone that has a potential chance to go to Omaha or even even host a regional for that matter, that's something that I'm going to try and put as much focus into. For this year, you have 
Uh, you have Tom in Maryland. You have Justin Rubin and Virginia. Uh, you got a couple guys, Ryan Reed and, and Brady Devereaux at Pitt. But, you know, got to give everybody their love. So uh, hopefully tune in for them. But, you know, you can watch any Maryland game and there's a chance that Tom could come in. So that's the, that's the interesting thing about being uh, in that relief pitcher role. All right. Next up, we got, uh, we'll go back to Garner Valley here. We got Dom Picone. Uh, he had five shutout innings versus Iona this week after he threw four shutout innings against UMass Lowell his last time out. Very, very good. And, and a similar storyline with with Tom Kane is that they both had pretty pretty tough starts to the season. Same thing, though. Like You're a mid-major. You're playing really good teams to start the year. They played Duke and Old Dominion. But, you know, it's very, very encouraging to see the fact that he's put together those back-to-back quality starts since then because this is his first year at St. Joe's. He started at Rhode Island, played with Eric Genther and, and Calvin McCall there, transferred to St. Joe's. Now, the interesting thing is that St. Joe's and Rhode Island are in the same conference, so they will be playing Rhode Island meaningful games May 12th to 14th. I do not know if that is in Rhode Island or Philly, but that's, I mean, that's must-see TV, especially... I don't personally know Don Picone. I've never met him, but from all the people that I've heard that, you know, he's just kind of like a wild card. Like he's just a, you know, super, super energetic guy. He's a riot. Uh, he's crazy. I've heard all, I've heard all these different things about him. Uh, but, you know, I, I think anytime you get a situation where a guy, especially for someone who pitched for Rhode Island as much as he did, is facing his old team, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. Also wanted to bring up something for St. Joe's as well, and that is that Luke Zimmerman is back on the field doing his thing, which is, is great for everybody to see because, you know, I am I was born in 1999, so I don't know the history of Delco baseball like a lot of people out there probably do that have been, you know, following this for a long time. But when you look at what Luke Zimmerman did in, in the 2018 season with Marple Newtown, I, I, I don't really know how you can make many arguments that there's ever been a more, we'll say a more impactful, more more successful baseball season of, of anybody. Because on the mound, I think he went like 11-0 with a, I don't even know if his ERA was over one, but it was definitely below two. And then at the plate, he hit four something, seven homers, and a walk-off double to win the only state championship Adelco Public School, only PIAA state championship Adelco team has ever won. I don't know, I think if you ask anyone around that Marple Newtown program, they'll probably agree with me. But the fact of the matter is, he missed, the, I, I believe, all of last season, if not the majority of last season. Finally back on the field, he's pitching, he's hitting, he's hitting 333. It's only 12 at-bats, but he's 4 for 12 on the season so far since he came back. And it's another guy, I don't even know him personally. I'm just very happy to see that he's back on the field because someone you know, with that much talent being sidelined sucks. And it's great to see him back doing his thing, trying to you know end his end his college career if this is his last season on a high note. So very happy for them and uh, follow along with with St. Joe's, Rhode Island, and there's a couple of teams in the A10 with guys on it. You got uh, Alden Mathis is at Richmond, uh, Jay Starnish from Conestoga is at St. Bonnie's. So the A- the A10, you know these guys will be playing each other a lot and they're gonna get to know each other a lot. So. Keep an eye on that. All right, let's move down. Uh, we got some D3 guys. Got to give our D3 guys love. And there's nobody that I would rather talk about uh, than Andrew Yates on the show. Strathaven guy. Love that kid. Uh, he has worked very, very hard. He plays for Widener. 
he had 10 hits just this week alone. Hit three set. He's hitting 375 on the season right now. Uh, Widener not off to an incredible start. They're six and eleven right now, but the conference play is kind of just getting rolling. They've also played some really good teams like Cortland, who's number one, Salisbury's top ten. But Andrew Yates is—it's uh, a line I love to use. He's your favorite player's favorite player. That kid, you know, I was on the Upper Darby team uh, that won the Delco League in 2021, and Yates. There was a span where I think he had eight hits and eight at bats. If I'm not mistaken, if not, he went four. He had four hits in back-to-back games, and it's just for someone you know that that I, I grew up with him, and and I'll be the first to say like I never saw him being this good, and I and I hope Yates, if you're listening to this, you'll you'll take this the right way that it means he worked very hard, but you know just a great hitter had a walk-off homer last year. Uh, in a game that they lost and not looking forward to to facing Yates in the Delco League again. But just wanted to give him a shout-out. You know, 10 hits in any week. I think it was three straight two-hit games is awesome. Hopefully for Widener, you know, Delco kid playing on a Delco team. Hopefully they can uh, turn it around and, and get things going in the conference. All right, next up, we're going to go We're gonna go back-to-back Haverford School. That's kind of the theme for this episode. Last week was kind of the Bonner guys. Uh, this week, Haverford, Haverford School. We'll start off with Jake Stacy. He plays for Bard College in New York. Huge, probably one of the best games any Delco players had so far this season uh, against Old Westbury. He went 3-for-3 three three with a homer and six runs batted in. That's right, he drove in six runs in that game. Uh, he hit 283 last year. He's off to a 421 start through uh, the first nine, uh, excuse me, the first six games for Bard this season. Uh, he's a guy that I th- I believe kind of got the short end of the stick with COVID, uh, you know, wiping out that that year of his high school career, which sucks. But he, you know, seems like he's getting he got the chance to play right away at Bard, which is awesome. You know, a lot of guys when I talked to who was I think it was Steve Tyson. Uh, who, who you know he was talking about how he had offers to play at Division two and Division one schools, but Immaculata told him, "Hey man, you, you come in, you have a chance to win that starting job right away, and you know be a leader of this team." And that's exactly what he did. And, and you know I can't speak for for Jake Stacy if if he's had other offers, but regardless, he's getting that opportunity right now. And you know just in his second year, uh, sky's the limit there. So I want to give Jake a shout out. Uh, wrote about him a little bit last year. It's good stuff. All right, we'll stay. Like I said, we're going to stay on that Haverford School theme. Uh, Isaiah Winokur. This is a guy who uh, I'm pretty sure I faced in high school. That's how old I am. I'm pretty sure he actually went yard against us. But uh, he had a grand slam this week against Oswego State. He's hitting 328 with three homers uh, for Johns Hopkins, perennial powerhouse. They are 12-1 this season. That's a team where... Last year, they did not get the chance to compete in the Centennial Conference Tournament. It got rained out at Swarthmore. But Isaiah, I believe he started his career at Towson, uh, went down to Hopkins, and has been lighting it up since then. Unfortunately, I, I mentioned this on one of the shows, that I don't think that there is that much Delco playing in the Centennial Conference right now, which is a bit uncommon. I know we got... Couple of our Dickinson guys, Pikel, Grayson Walker, uh, Will Ferris, Dylan Pesencheck, but you know, as a whole, I don't think there's any kids from Delco currently on Swarthmore. Johnny Fleeter uh, is at the at Haverford College, another Haverford school guy. Actually, now that I think about it, but you know, it's definitely not as as big as it has been. So I hope that 
changes in the past because I really like the Centennial. I think it's my, I mean my brother went to Swarthmore. It's a great combination of academics and athletics. So um, good for Isaiah. A team will definitely be one to follow throughout the year. I guess we're gonna stay on the the theme of Isaiah's here uh, unintentionally because we got Isaiah Payton is last up on the college baseball report here. He went seven for twelve this week uh, for Newman, another Delco guy playing in Delco. Uh, now Isaiah's definitely had an interesting uh, career path, and he's someone that I would definitely love to have on the show sometime. I really like having guys who have just gone through a lot of different, you know, whether it be obstacles, transfers, whatever, to get to where they are. So he started at Penn State. I, you know, I was up here at the same time as him. Obviously, I'm on the club team. He was on the varsity. So we'd see each other like a little bit because we'd sometimes practice at their place. But, you know, didn't, I don't think he got the time he was looking for at Penn State. So he went to Immaculata first. And he was on the team last year that won the conference championship. Now he is at Newman. So still, I, I don't believe that's the same conference, but still, you know, in that local Division Three uh, area. Uh, he's hitting 286 right now in the year. He's got a homer. And, I mean, he's been a guy that has been, you know, a very good hitter for a long time, especially, you know, especially at, at EA. Uh, he played Nether Legion for a little bit, so I saw him there. Uh, but I, I wonder if we'll see him in the Delco League more once his uh, his college career comes to an end. Uh, I might have to try and, and recruit him over there. All right, that'll bring an end to the college baseball report for this week. As always, feel free to DM uh, the at Delco Baseball account on Twitter or Instagram if you feel like someone deserves recognition. Hell, if you think you deserve recognition, I don't think it's cocky. I think you're just trying to help me out because you know that I can't do all this by myself. Uh, so, you know, always looking for suggestions there. As mentioned before, we are going to switch over to the high school baseball report. So we're going to start here with the District 1 brackets. And I know, you know, there's a lot of baseball teams in Delaware County, but the majority of them play in District 1 in the PIAA. You got your 12 Central League teams. You got Sun Valley from the Chessmont. You got all your DelVal teams. You got some of your PCL teams in District 12. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We'll start off here with the District 1 5A bracket. We're kind of just going to go up and down, uh, kind of like a little March Madness style. So we'll start off. Radner was the 11th seed. They lost 12-2 in the first round to the number 6 seed Oxford. Innerborough was the 7th seed. They lost 9-2 to the number 10 seed Bishop Shanahan. So not a great start for Delco in this bracket here. Pencrest was the 8th seed. They lost 3-1 to to the 9-seed Westchester East. The classic A-9 game uh, could go either way. Seems like it was a pitcher's duel in that one. So Pencrest, Interboro, Radner all lost their first-round games last year. We had the only team winning their first-round game from Delco was, that's right, my alma mater, that's Strathaven. They were the 5-seed. They took down the number 12-seed Upper Moreland 2-1. to Classic Brian Feely baseball, low scoring, not much going on there. But Strathaven advanced to the second round where they took down the number four seed Phoenixville on the road. You know what that means. Another low scoring Brian Feely 2-0 game. Uh, not much going on offensively once again. Also on that side of the bracket, Chichester, they got the one seed. So they got their first round bye. But they lost 10-6 to that same Westchester East team that took down Pencrest. So Westchester East is the Delco Slayer, it seemed like, so far in this bracket. Marple Newtown was the three seed. They as well got a bye week. They took down Oxford 10-8 to uh, to punch their ticket to the semifinals. 
Well, Westchester East was the Delco Slayer through two rounds, but Strathaven took them down to punch their ticket back to the state tournament and into the District 1 title for the second year in a row. That was a 4-1 to game. Once again, another low-scoring game. That's two runs allowed through three games for this Strathaven pitching staff and also defense. I know they had a great defense behind them in order to do that. They, uh, they waited for the other side of the bracket, and that is where Upper Dublin, the two seed, they advanced to the district championship. They took down Marple. Close game, 4-3. to three. Uh, Marple, you know, it, it sucks, but it's not the end of the world because they got to go play in the third place game for the chance to go to the state tournament, and they did just that. They played Westchester East. They beat them 3-1 to one to clinch their spot in the state tournament as the three seed representing District 1. Still got the district championship to be played, though, and Strathaven took on Upper Dublin, but Upper Dublin came out victorious, a 3-2 game. Uh, it was a walk-off error, I believe, Upper Dublin won on to capture the district title. Would have been cool to see Strathaven go back-to-back, -back, but it was not the end of the road because both Marple Newtown and Strathaven advanced to the state tournament. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the Strathaven game first because the Marple one was a lot more insane uh strathaven lost a, a tough one to archbishop wood it was a five to four game i was at this game it was at LaSalle. uh great game two great pitchers uh, i thought they threw really well strathaven threatened towards the end just wasn't enough uh it, it, it hurt mikey valente was out with a broken hand so that's kind of you know your your senior leadership and your starting shortstop also a pitcher there tough you know tough to lose in the lineup after you'd had him for so long just were not able to overcome it. Now, Marple Newtown's game was insane because they played Mannheim Central. And I've I've seen this clip a million times where Marple, I believe they were up one, I think it was 8-7, and there was one out, bases loaded, it was a ground ball to the shortstop that was a tailor-made double play ball. It looked like it was going to be a nice 6-4-3 game over, Marple Newtown advance. I don't know, it hit something. It hit something in the grass. I don't know if it was like a sprinkler, a rock, whatever it was. And it, I think it bounced straight over the shortstop's head. Both runs scored, game over, season over. I I probably would have just, you know, just died on the field of grief at that point. Like, to lose the game that way when you're in the dugout thinking that you had it won is as brutal as it gets. It really is. Like, that. it doesn't get tougher than that as a player to know that, you know, to lose on a fluke like that is, is a tough scene. But that'll give them some motivation to come back this year, I'm sure. All right, moving on to the District 1 6A bracket. Unfortunately, was not as good of a showing by our Delco representatives. We had Springfield was the 13th seed. They lost a home game 4-1 to to number 20, Council Rock North. We also had Ridley, the 14th seed, uh, lost 8-1 to to uh, 19 seed CB South. So it's a tough start. Uh, they both had home games there. I know that's going to sting, especially you know losing in front of what I'd imagine you know a bunch of your your friends, your fan, you know your fans, your family, whatever uh, came out to watch that game. But same thing, man. You got the Bolton, not even Bolton board material. You just got that you know that fire to kind of bring it back next year and uh, and and get after it. You know the one the one thing about single elimination baseball playoffs is. You know, sometimes you can be the better team, but the other team has the better pitcher for the day. And, you know, that's just that's just the way the game goes. All right, we'll move on here. Uh, at this point, in the round of 16, there's only one Delco team left, which was Garnet Valley. Garnet Valley was the sixth seed, and they won their first game. They took on Downingtown West, beat them one nothing. Classic pitcher's duel. 
I, I don't know who pitched in that game, but regardless, one nothing. Uh, I'm sure the fans, you know, were on the edge of their seat, but also very relieved that you know it didn't uh, it didn't take too long. But they uh, they lost to the eventual champion ONJ Roberts in the Elite Eight, three to two final score. Another another tight tight close game for those Garner Valley faithful to go through. But at the end of the day, you know there were no banners brought back to Delco this year from from the uh, PIAA. No district championships, no state championships. But where there were some championship banners brought home, we'll head over to District Twelve because Monsignor Bonner had. About as good a year as you could have for a Delco team. They went 26-2. and They won their District 12 championship. They won the PCL championship. Uh, PCL championship, they beat Roman Catholic 8-4. They beat Newman Goretti 5-1. And in the PCL championship, an awesome game at, uh, Penn's, at Penn Stadium where Irv Fisher made an awesome, unbelievable catch at the fence for a, it was a game with a five to four finish, a game where Kevin McGonigal obliterated a baseball to right field that was gone off the bat, and you could tell by the crowd's reaction that it was gone off the bat. But man, the PCL championship seems like an awesome environment, and it's something that I wish that the Central League did. I think if you had a Central League championship, that it would be, it would just be really cool for the players because winning a district championship is really hard. And I think these players here have a lot of pride in being in the Central League. And it's it sucks when, I believe my senior year, three teams tied for the championship. Like, nobody wants that. You want to settle that on the field. And if even if it was something as simple as take the top four teams, play a semifinal and a championship. Championship can either be neutral site or home team hosted. Whatever it is. I just think that as long as it doesn't interfere with the district tournament, that it would be it would be awesome for these teams to get the chance to have a Central League trophy, just another you know another check mark and uh, something to put banners on the on the fence. Uh, continuing on, Bonner they made the state tournament because they won their district. They beat Fleetwood in the Sweet 16. They beat them eight to one. They beat Montoursville 13 nothing. Things were going well for the Friars at this point. They were red hot. Uh, they ran into a Holy Ghost team that was able to silence them. They they lost four to three. It was a game that was at Villanova, uh, and man, it's a hard fought game. And you know, for a team that had such high championship aspirations, I know this one hurt. But you know, when you have guys like Kevin McGonigal coming back, Jackson Kehoe, Austin Cannon, or Fisher, Harry Carr, like these guys that got the experience last year and know you know what it takes to get this deep again. They will be better for it. Now, granted, you know, you did lose some guys. You lost Joey DiMucci. You lost Mike Anderson. You lost Kevin Hendrick. You know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they replace them. But with that being said, the core, you know, there's a lot of good talent there. And I think uh, I think the PCL is going to be put on, on notice again. All right, last but not least here, we have the PAISAA. I, I, I feel like there's an easy, like PISA maybe. I don't know. I feel like saying all six letters is kind of, you know, it's kind of a mouthful uh, to be completely honest, but that is beyond the point here. We have an interesting, you know, not, not even dilemma here. Uh, it's hard for me because Malvern prep is obviously not in Delco. You got a lot of Delco players that play for Malvern. So naturally they're going to be in the focus. Also the fact that they're ranked the best high school team in the state of Pennsylvania by perfect game. And I believe by max preps too. You know, you're going to want to talk about them. So let's talk about them. 
Uh, the Interact last year, Malvern did win the Interact. They won the Interact regular season title. Now I say that because we're going to talk about the playoffs here. So we had uh, the Haverford School took down Mercersburg by a score of 5 to nothing in the first round. That set them up with a classic rivalry game. And they went on the road and they took down Episcopal by a score of 6-3. to three. That is one of the ultimate... You know, it doesn't matter that Haverford went three and seven in the regular season. You know, it's it's the cliche: throw the records, you know, throw the record book, whatever. You know, throw throw the records out the window at this point. Uh, it's playoff time, and these guys grinded out a win, and that sent them to the semifinals, where they just they kept getting it done. They had to go on the road once again, and they took down Penn Charter by a score of four to three, another Interact rival. I think it's uh, safe to say that the Interact, you know, has has put their stamp on uh, the, the Paisa. The Paisa? Paisa? No, that's a, I don't think that'll work. Anyway, uh, the, let's just call it the independent schools. How about that? Um, four to three win over Penn Charter, put them in the championship against, you guessed it, Malvern Prep. Uh, this, is, this is a trivia question. Of course, you can't physically answer uh, to me, but... The last time that a non-Malvern Prep or Haverford School team won the state championship was in what year? I'm going to give you three seconds to think about it here. All right, the correct answer, 2010 Germantown. It's been 2010 since a team not Malvern Prep or Haverford School has won the Independent League Championship, which is unbelievable. So naturally, seeing them play against each other is about as good as it gets. You could probably argue it was the game of the year in Delaware County last season just based on the fact that it was these two programs on this type of stage. It was played at Villanova, which technically, I guess, is not Delco, but, you know, it's it's close. I mean, I guess the school itself is kind of Delco. So it's... Uh, you know, it's it's really cool for these guys to be able to play in an atmosphere like that. And Jack Campbell threw the game of his life. A two to one win over Malvin Prep in the state championship is just, you know, especially for someone who's not a senior, really is just icing on the cake. He threw all seven innings with zero earned runs, one unearned run, and three strikeouts. Talk about your defense helping you out, you know, for for a kid who you know, might have, you know, gone a little under the radar when talking about the guys on, you know, Haverford, like Colby McNeely's playing D1, Ian White's going to be playing D1, Ryan Reed obviously was hurt, but was playing D1, and this kid pitched the game of his life and helped bring his team a championship, especially a team as banged up as they were. Uh, they, there was a total of seven hits in this game, three hits from Haverford and four hits from Malvern, but at the end of the day, Haverford got their state championship ring, and what a perfect transition into our interview here because we're going to get to hear a little bit more about that season uh, as well as the current season. Uh, so with that being said, let's welcome on senior outfielder for the Haverford School, Ryan Getz. We are now joined by senior outfielder Ryan Getz of the Haverford School. Ryan, thank you for taking the time to come on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, I'm pretty excited to be on here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Now, you guys, like we said before the show, have gotten off to a red-hot start. You guys are 4-0 on the year already. So what do you think has been some of the factors for this early success? Uh, I mean, overall, we have most of our guys returning last year. Um, Connor Scanlon at the top of our lineup. Junior played last year. Cole Donnelly, 
senior played last year. Mark Contrani started last year. I'm just to name some guys at the top of the lineup. Jack Campbell um, pitched hell of a game, the state championship. I'm sure you heard of. Uh, he's back. Ian White, uh, East Carolina. Kevin Reavy, Fred Jordan. Uh, we've got some young arms, too, that are also going to contribute this year. Um, so I think a lot of it is a lot of guys have experience, but also um, we're a pretty close group. Um, a lot of us grew up playing Ridley, Springfield, Aston, um, playing against each other. So we're a pretty close group. Um, so I think that's that's the big thing. Yeah, and, it, and it's funny because last year was an interesting year for you guys because you just went 3-7 and seven in the Interact but ended up as state champs. So do you feel like kind of that confidence from that run last year is carried over? Uh, yeah, definitely. We were kind of unsure um, in the middle of our Interact season. Uh, it was a pretty good Interact uh, league last year. Um, it's always tough. Um, and we happened to not win – when some of the games we thought we could have, and we, and it, it is what it is, but we kind of, uh, I wasn't able to play, but I was vocally a part of the team at practice, post-game, all that stuff, and we said, we're here, why not? Four games um, happened to, to, or one against Mallory, one EA, to our big, bigger rivals, so we said, why not? Let's buckle down a week and a half, four games, why not go for it? So we just kind of went all in, and, and it came out on top. Yeah, and for those uh, listening here, Ryan tore his ACL last year. Was it was it during the season? Was it before? Like, when did it happen? So it happened in the second quarter of our second to last football game against Germantown Academy. Um, I play uh, defensive back safety, and it just happened. It's kind of like I'm guarding the guy. He's running. He stops, pushes off a little, and I just kind of felt the pop in my knee. It was more or less like the only way to describe it is if you put a piece of paper in there and just and just tore it, if that that helps anybody at all understand it. Um, so that it, it stunk because it was towards the end of the season. We were having a good season and I missed uh, the EA Day game. We won. So that, that's all that matters. But it was tough. It was more of a mental, mental toughness, mental battle, um, especially going through the winter, um, not being able to lift in the offseason with with the guys, but also not being able to be out there in the spring, it's, it's mentally draining. Um, it's definitely something I wasn't ready for because I physically, I can always, you know, I can suck it up. I can push through the pain or whatever, but it was, it was a whole new world kind of uh, the mental battle. Um, but that's about it. It, it was nice being able to be out there and be a leader and support the guys and go to the games, but it's, it's not the same. And I'd be lying if I told you it was. Yeah, I don't think people really, you know, think too much about the mental side when it comes to athletes, especially for an ACL, which is a long, long recovery where, you know, it, it sometimes I'm sure it feels like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And it's tough, you know, because like we were talking about when, when right before we got on the show, I got hurt the day before the World Series. So, like, you kind of have to put on that face on the outside that you're, you know, because you don't want to make it about you. That's really what it's all about. And, you know, you want to just make sure that if you're going to get a ring, you got to earn it right one way or another. I mean, I, I think about the Carson. I mean, the Carson Wentz situation. He says Nick Foles want like, I I won the state championship. I was a part of it, but deep down, it's I I want to go get my state championship this year. I want to go get my interact title this year with my guys. It's not just about me, but that's definitely something that that I'm working towards that that I got on my mind. Yeah, it's a weird balance between like you don't want to feel selfish. Like obviously, I I still want us to win. But, you know, you, you want to be a part of it, and that's really what it's all about. But, you know, all of that rehab and recovery is paying off. 
Uh, you know, you're finally back on the field now. Do you feel like 100% at this point? Uh, yeah, so I'm still in the, like, ACL kind of NFL lineman-looking brace just for, like, the surgeon wanted me to wear that for a year after he gave it to me, which was last summer. So got a handful of months left. Um, but now I've put in an unimaginable amount of hours of PT outside of school. But we have a full-time athletic trainer, Mr. Wardle, at school. And we still had that COVID schedule last year. So I spent all my free periods in there working with him, balance, jumping, all like the whole nine yards of, of knee recovery. Um, and then being able to play football like that. I think if you can go out there and play football on that, um, I played a little running back. Uh, I got played safety. Um, and those are two challenging um, positions in general, but especially cutting on the knees. And I think that doing that gives me just, it's a big confidence thing. Um, and I feel, I feel pretty comfortable. So I'm happy with where I'm at. It's still, you know, like you hear your grandfather say, oh, my knees are sore, it's cold out. I kind of understand that now. Um, but no, it's something I can't deal with because I'd rather play sore and, and do the recovery than, than not be able to play. Yeah, I mean, football, that definitely has to be a confidence booster that you can make all the, the movements and the, and the planting without a 300-pound man hitting you. Uh, so that's got to be encouraging. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just it's, – it's more mental. Like, at first it's kind of like, oh, uh, like – just I played so I played a little like DH last year summer. It's uh, do I want to slide feet first, head first, like try go like whatever. And it's it's nice to to see yourself on film and football like oh like like oh that that looks good that looked normal like because you tend to when you have something like this kind of feel like everyone's looking at you or like you kind of have like an anxious feeling when in reality that's that's not the case and it's kind of like a oh like it's normal. Like, like if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. Mine, mine was an ankle. So a little bit different, but the same thing with like planting and, you know, just trying to get like, I, I'll put this on record. I'm very slow. So when I say get my acceleration back, it's more like metaphorical uh, than anything, but you know, you're, you're, I mean, I, I wore the brace probably longer than I should have, but it, like you said, it's very mental. And then one day you're going to realize like, Oh shit, I'm like, I'm not even wearing it right now. And then that's, you know, when it's going to feel normal but uh going back to you know on in terms of baseball good start you know you're currently seven for 14 on the year i got the numbers right here shout out game changer you know two doubles and a homer so what do you think what's been working for you at the plate what's your what's been your approach um so kind of coming back uh i did i didn't i did a, a ton of baseball stuff but not as much as i would have liked to in the winter because i was doing a ton of rehabbing because i was a little banged up uh, overall after football um and in the beginning of the offseason, like live ABs, I was kind of pushing my hands towards the ball and kind of going and getting it, let it instead of letting it get deep and work all parts of the field. So Coach Martin, is, it's, he's been the biggest help, sends videos. He, he cares as much as any coach I've ever had in sports. He send, sends videos, clips, like he'll stay after practice and hit. Like he, he's the type of guy every coach and staff needs. Um, and just being having him tell me, you know, keep your hands back. If it's outside, like just, just the basic stuff. If it's pitched outside, take it there. Like it's just mental, mental stuff. Um, and just being confident. Baseball is a, a sport about, it's a mental sport. It's about confidence. Like you're going to, you, sometimes you're going to crush the ball and you're going to get it out or you're going to have a little weak hit uh, and you're going to get on base. And it's all about just 
staying in it, staying uh, positive, not letting the highs get too high, not letting the lows get too low. Um, but honestly, when you bat in a lineup uh, like we have, where you got Morris going to Cornell, Scanlon uh, hitting leadoffs of Beast, Cole's going to Lehigh, and even at the bottom of the lineup, you got Joey Pennywell, who's, who plays left field. He got ABs last year for us. Um, Sean Doherty, first base, um, big, big hitter. Like, there's a ton of ton of talent on the team. Um, so when you hit in between these guys and before and after, it, it's 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 easy. It's easy to hit in that type of lineup. Yeah, it's funny. That was actually uh, one of my next questions I had here. It's because like it kind of takes the pressure off. Like you don't have to be the guy. Like you don't have to try and do too much. Where on some other teams in the past, maybe you know if you didn't produce then, you know, runs wouldn't be coming across as easily. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, a lot of people know Mark. Any swing Mark put the ball across Lancaster Ave on our field, put it into the parking lot in left field. Um, Connor's constantly on base. Cole's constantly on base. The bottom of our lineup, again, Joey Pennywell, he, he doesn't strike out a ton. He's battling. Jack Campbell battles. He gets on base for our top of our lineup, and then the top of the lineup gets on for us, and it's just it's like a constant cycle. Uh and it, I mean, it's fun to watch. It, it's the way the guys run the bases, you know. Um, it's a it's a great just team culture, and that that goes into how we play and how we succeed. And and I was talking to Joe about this uh, when I was setting this up. He's just you know when I when I was joking that I wanted to give your whole team the uh, the player of the week. He's like, no, like I got to make sure that you know they don't get complacent. Like I don't make sure they start you know feeding into the hype because it seemed like last year you guys liked that underdog role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that was that was a. Th- a thing for us last year. Uh, um, I mean, rankings come out this year and everybody, you know, Malvern's a great, a great program. They got great players and respectively they're ranked one by perfect game and what, whatnot, but we don't, we don't really take that underdog mentality into this year. Cause we, we won last year and that's what we expect as a program. We're, we're not working to, to, okay, do win a couple games and then get, uh, have a good run at the end of the year. We're working towards the game in front of you. You go one to know that game, then you go F one to know, one to know, one to know. And at the end of the week, you're four no. And it's 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 a cycle. It's a grind. But now we're taking um, more of the like we know what type of team we are, and this is what we expect. Um, so now it's the underdog thing was good last year, and it it was a good rallying point for the team. But I think this year we're more. Um, we, we know what kind of roster we have. We know what we can do. So we, we expect to, um, to go out there and perform against some of these teams. All right, I guess uh, last question I'll, I'll leave you with then is what do you think it's going to take for you guys to bring home that second straight championship? Uh, it's going to take all, I think it's 24 guys on the roster, on the varsity roster. It's going to take all of them, all the coaches. Um, I mean, I'd be lying if I said it. it's probably not the toughest league around. You know, Malvern, I'm not sure how many commits they have. EA, really good team, really scrappy. Penn Charter, every year they're good. STH, every year. Germantown, every year. Um, and some teams have, have lower years, and then some teams have hires. But, you know, those 10 games are going to be a dogfight for 10 games straight for just the Interac. Um, and that, that's lasting about four and a half weeks. That's a four and a half week grind. Because if you don't show up one game – you're going to get handed to you and that, that could cost you the interact. And then once you go to the state playoffs, you add in, I don't know, 10 more teams, the friends leagues, and, and they're just as competitive with just as good players. Um, so it's going to take 
the entire team building, building up the confidence and, and getting everybody getting right in the non-conference games to then flipping the switch for, for the interact and then hopefully carrying that on the paces because that, that's what it's going to take. It's not going to be an easy uh, hand it to us. Agreed, man. Well, listen, I wish you guys the best. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Uh, I got a feeling one way or another we'll be hearing from some more of you guys throughout the year, so I appreciate it. Thank you. Hopefully. Hopefully we can keep it up. Like I said, my last recruiting pitch, if you like winning championships, the Penn State Baseball Club, for anyone out there, uh, is a great place to do it. Seven national championship appearances since 2000. Uh, that's my final recruiting pitch. I'll leave you with that. Gotcha. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Take care. Thank you once again. All right. Thank you to Ryan Getz for taking the time to come on the show today. You know, I, I had to give him my recruiting spiel uh, at the end. You know, I won't even be here for uh, him to play on the Penn State Baseball Club if he decides to come here. But, you know, that's just how much I care about this program and uh, helping them helping them win championships in any way possible. So I had to do my due diligence. All right, a couple more uh, things I want to talk about before I wrap things up here. I, I said I wanted to end most episodes talking about the Phillies for a little bit uh, as a tribute to the original podcast I did uh, for our original brand, which is Delco Media Group, which is my friends and I during COVID uh, when we were bored. That show was called Breaking the Bank. So we're going to talk a little bit of Phillies here. And I don't know how, if you're a Phillies fan, you are not salivating at the idea of Trey Turner playing for this baseball team. Like The fact of the matter is the Phillies made the playoffs last season when they played I would say maybe like 60 or 70 games with the corpse of Didi Gregorius and Johan Camargo, who couldn't hit the ball out of the infield. The fact that they immediately have a, what, top 15, probably not top 10, probably like top 15, 20 player in the league added to this team is such a boost that I don't think is getting talked about enough. Like you're, you're switching him for Gene Segura, who don't get me wrong. I love Gene Segura, but Trey Turner is a star. And not having Bryce Harper for a little while because the Tommy John is definitely going to uh, not Tommy John whatever UCL surgery you got is definitely going to uh, is gonna is gonna hurt this team. But getting his bat in the order, I'd imagine probably lead off. I don't know. Maybe they'll leave Schwarber there. I think you should have Turner at the leadoff spot. But regardless, the fact is he is going to play very good baseball this year. He just he just seems like a perfect fit. Like when you hear him talk just talking about how much he enjoyed watching the Phillies play on TV, how loud it was. Like, people, it's it's crazy after the last decade that we had, but people want to come here. People want to play with Bryce. People want to play with JT. People like Philly Rob, you know, believe it or not. Uh, but, you know, this team, once Bryce is back, it's going to be really, really good. And, you know, staying on the topic of some infielders here, it's nice to see Scott Kingery showing some signs of life. Do I think he's going to make the big league team? Probably not. I mean, you can't take him over Josh Harrison. You can't take him, probably can't take him over Jake Cave. I don't know. I just think that, you know, the fact that he's been working with Kevin Long and the fact that he is clearly making improvements over the past few years, he's just more confident. He's having a great spring. And, you know, I, I don't think he's going to start 
the season with the team, but there's 162 games to be played this season. And there's going to be so many opportunities where guys get banged up. Kingery can play the infield. He can play the outfield. If he plays the way that he has been playing down in the minors, he will get the opportunity throughout the season. Like he, you know, you can't control everything. You can control a lot. You can't control everything. He can't control whether guys get injured or not. But man, if he's hitting four something early on, or if he's hitting, you know, over 300 in the minors, like he'll get his opportunity. And I'm, I'm rooting for the guy. I mean, he, uh, it's, it's hard to know, you know, what really caused his, his downfall. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's got hopefully a long career ahead of him left and Hey, they're still paying him. So you might as well, uh, hope that he's got something left in the tank. Also wanted to talk about one quote that I saw from John Middleton, the Phillies owner uh, on Twitter the other day. And he said something like, you know, he would be disappointed if this group only won one title. And while I understand the confidence and I understand, you know, the route he's going with that, I personally have never been like the biggest fan of talk like that until you win at least one. Because at this point, they, they still haven't won a World Series since 08. Like, that's, you know, reality. They've been back. They were so close this year. But, you know, that I, I love the mentality. I think you can say that maybe amongst yourselves or within the like, clubhouse. But I don't think going on the media and saying they'd be disappointed with only one is really the best way to go. Like, I, I had the debate whether it was bold or weird. I mean, I think it could be both. But I like that the, the culture of the Phillies is changing. Because from 2013 to 20, you know, 18, 2019, even 2020, like this team was a bunch of losers. And and that's a harsh reality, but it's true. And this year, you know, Reese Hoskins got rid of the demons. Aaron Nola got rid of the demons. Gene Segura got rid of the demons. Like all all it takes is one run. There's there's no there's no pressure on them in the sense of getting to the playoffs. Like that that 11 year streak is over. There, if you know that's not looming over their heads anymore, they can play a little more freely. But with that being said, they are a World Series contender. They are arguably a better roster than last year. I think that if Ranger Suarez pitches as well as he did, Taiwan Walker is a great number four. And fingers crossed that Andrew Painter's healthy, man, because this rotation, this team, little worried about the bullpen. Um, I, I like Gregory Soto, but Tigers fans don't seem to be too upset. He's gone. I like Craig Kimbrell, but I don't know how much he's got left in the tank and I don't want to be the year he declines, but this is a very good team. Uh, my, my prediction is probably that they make a wild card spot again, just based on the fact that they're missing Bryce and they play in a good division, but Edwin Diaz being out for the year is very tough for the Mets. So who knows this division, this division can be won. Uh, I talked a little right there about Edwin Diaz, but I want to end with the World Baseball Classic because it has gotten better and better as the you know the the week I guess the two weeks has gone on. Because I'll admit, like during the first round, I wasn't completely in yet. You know, I I I at this point, you know, was kind of still frustrated over the fact that the best pitchers didn't pitch. Like, come on, we're throwing Adam Wainwright. In game one, the Cardinals were scared to throw him against the Phillies last year. Like we're throwing uh, Nick Martinez in game two, while these other like I want to care about it as much as teams like the Dominican and Puerto Rico and you know Venezuela and them care about it. But it's hard when you know your your pitchers don't care about it as much as they do. Now, with that being said, I think after Team USA lost to Mexico, 
that's when they realize like, oh, like we got to care now or we're going to lose. And that's just embarrassing. I think that switch like flipped in their head where it's like, all right, they kind of thought they were going to just show up and just, you know, crush everybody with the lineup they had. And they could kind of just treat it like more spring training games. But once they scored nine runs in that first inning against Canada, like you could see that they were excited to be there. I've never seen Mike Trout that excited. You know, the uh, the easy joke is to pick, poke fun at the Angels. But the fact is, like, he's played in, I think, three playoff games in his career, and, and they got swept. Seeing him that fired up was awesome to see. And, you know, the Trey Turner Grand Slam was epic against, I'm completely, I was against Venezuela. And, you know, it's like seeing that, like he said, that was one of the best baseball moments of his life. It was one of the loudest. Like, you can't fake that kind of excitement and the internet's going crazy over this guy KFC that works for Barstool who's a big Mets fan basically just like trashing the world baseball classic saying nobody cares like people you know people pretend to care like blah 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 and it's like yeah I mean if if you know Trey Turner Real Muto or Kyle Schwarber had a season ending injury I'd probably be pretty upset but like you you can't sit here and say that the people that are playing in it aren't having fun because all of them are coming off the field saying it's awesome. And I'm glad we get to see that. And, man, we can dream about this. So I, I'm recording this part of the episode Monday night right now. So at this point, the U.S. is going to the finals. I think Merrill Kelly is starting. Mexico and Japan are going to uh, they're going to play, I guess they're probably playing right now, for the right to play Team USA. Uh, you're getting a live breaking news of a game that you would have already seen. Mexico's up 3-0 in the seventh inning. Um, I, I really hope that we get to see Shohei Otani versus Mike Trout on the field. I think Japan said that Otani could pitch a little out of relief, but we could also be seeing U.S. and Mexico rematch. And this is a Mexico team that's very confident. Randy Rosarena, who I thought was American, I don't know. I guess he's, I guess uh, he was able to play for Team Mexico. He says he wants the U.S. And I know the U.S. will want to get revenge from last time. So no matter who they play, storylines will be going. Man, that's, that might be the longest episode of Delco Baseball now we've ever had. But, you know, I had a lot to say this week. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I, being able to have more time to prepare the show meant a little bit more, you know, structure and a little bit less kind of off the top of my head, which I hope to do going forward. It's just, you know, it's difficult with my own classes, my own season to be as consistent as I'd like to be. But, you know, this, this is kind of the trial run season before we go all in next year. And I hope you guys are along for the ride. Once again, you can follow this account on Twitter and Instagram at Delco Baseball. Uh, Facebook is just Delco Baseball Now. Podcasts are also available on the website, DelcoBaseballNow.com. I'm going to try and get some standings out there during the year, just some some mini articles, uh, and uh, do what I can. But as always, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.